probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to the Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy, and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, a.k.a. Jabba the Hud, and joining me as ever in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon, he's the greatest Star Wars man, fan, and buddy out there. And he's a man who can't wait to see what happens when Mando puts Grogu on the seeing stone on Blython. <laughs> yes! I don't get it. I don't get, my boy, how I don't hear these puns as soon as I... As soon oh, as I, I hear immediately. Them. Mate, that is just convenient. That is just in the nick of time. I absolutely love it, Matty boy. Thank you for another Bly pun. Here we are, though, Matty boy, on our 92nd episode of Star Wars Sessions. How on earth are you, mate? I am doing very, very well. It's a busy weekend we've had, and I know we're going to mention the reasons why very shortly, but I do have... Oh, that's the worst sound. A blue moon in front oh. of me now. That courtesy of my big brother, Sean. Thank you. Shout out to my brother. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting some Star Wars, mate, and... Before we get into our busy weekend, how are you? Yes, I'm good, mate. I love the little mention of Shawnee Boy. What an absolute legend Sean Hudson is. Absolutely love that guy. Big love. Uh, But no, mate, it's it's been just a spicy weekend. I'll level with you. I've had a day off today on recording, which is a mysterious day that you guys will never know. Um, But it's been a busy weekend and it's been amazing. It's been lovely. Lots of stuff happening despite lockdown and uh to be honest it was a mandalorian star warsy weekend which let's be honest mate boy it doesn't get much better than that no it doesn't but just to leave you all on tenterhooks before we get that i did want to shout out though we have got two new patrons who have joined us haven't we mate oh yes we do mate boy our two new legendary patrons are none other than our boy scott Fisher and Dan Cramphorn, who have both joined at the high ground tier. Thank you for signing up, geezers. Yep, enjoy the content that's come, that's just about to come out, and that's coming out in the future. There's plenty of it, and we really appreciate you taking the time and the finance to uh, jump on the spice train with us. So thank you very much for that, guys. And uh, as another Reminder, every Friday for the duration of Mandalorian Season 2, we're dropping our Mandalorian recap. It's our spoiler-heavy look at the episode that's just been. And we usually spend about 45 minutes going diving right in with our initial reactions to the episodes. And they're a lot of fun. You can find them on the Star Wars Sessions standard podcast feed. So you haven't even got to go anywhere new for it. But we dig doing those recaps, don't you, mate? Oh, mate, they're such a good laugh. Honestly, I... I... <laughs> Waking up Friday morning like a crazy person to watch The Mandalorian is fun enough, you know, and it, it's so exciting just watching it with the rest of the world too. Um, but recording the recap shortly afterwards, it just adds to that spice, mate. It adds to my weekend, you know. Friday, yeah, Friday mornings right now, to me, they're the weekend, man. It just feels amazing. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're good fun. And some of our best discussion has been on there. A lot of them, you know, we've not we barely soaked in the episode. So they are fresh 
thought. So I'm sure we're going to be going into more of season two in future episodes and months to come, which I can't wait for, Matty Boy. Yep, I totally agree with that. And uh, when when season two ends, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself for on a Friday morning oh. without and a Friday afternoon without recording, mate. So uh, yeah, go check those out, guys. I'm, I'm just going to sit in a dark room and eat sausage rolls all day because what's the point? What's the point in anything else? Yeah, that's it. That's it. We'll have to do. Uh, we'll have to do our, our resistance uh, recap at some point <laughs> just to fill the time. <laughs> resistance. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, on to uh, yeah. So that was uh, that was Friday. In fact, actually, we got we got a busy our weekend there. But we also um, you may have seen we've dropped on our YouTube channel. Uh, we were uh, asked to go on to BBC News to uh, appear live to talk about the very sad passing of. Darth Vader himself, Dave Prowse, the Green Cross Code man, who sadly passed away this weekend. Uh, we were asked to go on and you know uh, talk about Dave, his impact on the franchise, and him as a person. So, I mean, firstly, it was an absolute honour to be asked to go on the BBC on a global scale, and set, and more importantly, it was just an honour to go on and you know talk about the legacy of Dave Prowse, he's larger than life man, and I know it sounds cliche, but it is a very, very big hole that's been left in this Star Wars family with with his passing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it was great to be on the BBC uh, like that, obviously. Uh, but part of me was just felt it was a little sad that it was under those circumstances. But um, what's nice is um, the the daughter of David Prowse has actually come out and thanked the Star Wars community and so many people on the internet and on Twitter for the amazing spot. And they've said it was, uh, it's made their day a lot easier. So, you know, that that's really good to hear. So um, yeah, rest in peace, David Prowse, Darth Vader. And on top of the busy, busy weekend, we appeared on none other than Jamie Stangroom's The Geek End YouTube channel, where we are chatting The Mandalorian Chapter 13 with Jamie. It's like a mini little roundtable. It's called The Mando Debrief, and that's on The Geek End YouTube channel. And you actually get to see our ugly mugs. And that's right, people. You're hearing that? That's the spice train. And guess what? The spice train has faces. We're not just mystery voices, you know. It's uh it, it's I know it's hard to believe. Oh, yeah. But we're out there. We're on the YouTubes. The Geek End on YouTube. Check it out, guys. Yep, it was uh great fun to join Jamie again. We we love a stand groom session and we know a lot of you guys do too. So it's wonderful to go on there and chat some Mando with our buddy Jamie and to look at his hair and Luke's hair on a dual screen was something which for for me, I don't think it can ever, ever be topped. So thank you, Jamie. Go check it out. At the Geek End, G-E-E-K-N-D on YouTube. Drop him a like, subscribe as well. Uh, check out all the good stuff that he does. But in the background, though, after all that pure, uh, unadulterated spice, <laughs> all I can hear, other than the train, is the bong. I think it sounds a bit like Big Ben Kenobi. Oh, it's a galactic news round. Blue Jeans Guy has been digitally removed from The Mandalorian Chapter 12 on Disney+. John Boyega has revealed he and Kathleen Kennedy held a positive, honest and transparent phone call over his recent GQ comments. 
Nick Gillard is auctioning off Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker's hero lightsabers used in Revenge of the Sith at PropStore.com. Hi, this is Jamie Stangroom. You're listening to the Star Wars Session podcast, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. And certainly from a story perspective, you dropped some amazing contributions to Star Wars and the overall story of the prequels. And the first thing that I think of is the breakout star of the show, which is Ahsoka. And I was wondering if you can talk to us about the sort of creation of Ahsoka. And when you were first coming up with the idea of giving Anakin a Padawan, what was that creative process like in terms of getting us to where we were at the beginning of season one? It just came kind of naturally since we've been dealing with Padawans and Masters and things. It would be interesting to see Anakin with a Padawan. And she was, you know, a tough little teenager. She was sort of the student position, but she wouldn't let Anakin tell her anything. She'd question everything he asked her. She'd stand up to him. And sometimes she'd outdo him. So it was a dynamic relationship. And sometimes she'd fail, which was the best episodes where she would learn something. And it was tricky because you had this precocious teenager. When you watch the early episodes, she really feels like a teenager being young and a little bit over the top and later on when she's matured for an animated character to have this kind of personality arc is almost unheard of over so many seasons so that really worked out and again you being the knowledgeable master filmmaker <laughs> and me the apprentice it was easy to try to understand the relationship in the story that we were telling well we've been doing a lot of mandalorian talk we've done a recap we've done a debrief we've uh, we've watched it time and time again over the weekend and a lot of that is down to the appearance of a certain character named Ahsoka Tano. You may have heard of her, and an awful lot of the fandom love this character. So we basically, we want to talk about Ahsoka, so where she's come from, where she has, is now, uh, the journey she's been on, the journey we've been on with her as a character, and um, obviously more about her appearance in The Mandalorian. So, Luke, Ahsoka Tano, top level, what are your thoughts on the character... Like, how have, have they changed over the years, or have you always liked her or disliked her? Man, I was saying to uh, someone in the uh, Instagram comments on one of our posts uh, this week about how, to be honest, I always felt like when the Clone Wars film came out, I was kind of like an, an awkward age in my teenage years where I, I love Star Wars, but this animated film was coming out, and I was like, really? really like do i need to see this i don't think i do listen i think i can be forgiven for the age i was at time of my life i was at i was too cool for school for that kind of thing i was like no no that ain't the real star wars um and you know what part of me feels like i'm glad i didn't especially at that time because i think i would have seen ahsoka and gone oh my days she is so annoying um and I just didn't buy into this idea that Anakin had a, an, um, a Padawan, you know? Um, now, listen. A few years later, I get talking to my boy, Levi Cossey. I've mentioned him on, on the show many times. He, have. he is the boy behind the Clone Wars generation in my head, right? When I think of Clone Wars generation, I think of my boy Levi, right? And um, I remember I was with Levi. I think we were getting a Taco Bell or something or a burger. And, nice, nice. you know, he's, he's going on about Clone Wars. 
And I'm kind of sitting there thinking, and he's telling me all this stuff, right? I, I distinctly remember him telling me that Darth Maul was resurrected in Clone Wars and about Ahsoka and how she was kind of annoying at the start, but she gets more and more interesting. And at this time, I'm kind of like warming up to the idea. And by then, I'd watched uh, quite a few episodes, all in a weird order, um, on Cartoon Network, because during the school holidays or something, if nothing else was on, I'd sit Clone Wars on. And nice. I, I, I actually somewhat enjoyed it. I'd enjoy it. Um, and then later down the line, I decided, you know what? This is years later after the Disney purchase. I'm sitting at home. I'm watching Rebels. And I'm thinking, you know what? I adore Rebels. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I go back and I'm like, listen, I need to watch the whole of the Clone Wars. And before I know it, I have somewhat of an affinity to Ahsoka. I'm not the biggest Clone Wars fan. I've never been that guy. I've never been your Clone Wars boy. That's just not me. But I definitely have a newfound appreciation for it, especially with the last season of Clone Wars coming out this year. Um, Apparently. Apparently. Now... I think Ahsoka, I can see why she's become such a fan favorite. I really can see it. And I think to see her character change so much from, you know, this little girl, this Padawan, to now a woman on screen in a physical, real live action Star Wars production, I think is so impressive. And her story, it feels almost like one of the most realistic ones in the whole saga. I'm pretty pleased with where this character is going, Matty Boy. And I think it's kind of an underdog character. Um, but I'm going to throw that back at you, mate. Like, what do you think? Because you're, again, you're in a kind of, of a, with all due respect, a funny age to probably appreciate the, the, the Clone Wars at the time and jump on any sort of Ahsoka Spice train, you know? Are there any trains coming to your station? Well, I certainly am an odd age, um, just an odd guy. Um, yeah, I was, uh, how, I can't remember how old I was. It's too, that's math for when I first saw the Clone Wars and obviously when it came out, 2012, so... Oh yeah, I was of an odd and a odder age, but I've said on the show before that I'm not the biggest fan of the character. I certainly haven't been, and a lot of that does stem back to the, those the Clone Wars movie where we first saw her in, like the old well, obviously Sky Guy R two E and things, right. and movie, and then in those first chronological seasons of the Clone Wars as well, um, and then obviously, but then when you see her in Rebels, whether or not she needs to be in the series is another story, but. In Rebels, you can see a different side to this character, and you're like, well, hold on, who's this boss? And then, obviously, how we saw in The Mandalorian was fabulous. But what it did make me do was make me then go back and literally in the last few days reevaluate. So, so she started off as this, uh, she's been called a precocious teenager, and now we've seen the growth into this warrior woman in The Mandalorian. And now I appreciate her, the character, tenfold because. I see it now as an arc, not just, okay, well, she started off very annoying and has become more tolerable. No, I see it as someone started off as a very young uh, a young uh, teenager, and we've watched her, even through the Clone Wars. Remember, let's not forget the end of the Clone Wars. She, she's uh, framed for the 
bombing of the Jedi Temple wrongly, yeah. and then leaves the Order. You know, she's like, she did what Anakin couldn't do. She's oh, like, no, I'm, love I'm off. Arc. Love so that arc. We see her grow within the animated series, and then with it, with Rebels, and now with the Mando, we see that growth come. You know, we've, we've that's it now. I mean, we're, it, the, the sky is the limit now. So. Um, whilst I, I whilst I'll still look back at the Clone Wars movie in the first few episodes and always go like, like sucking a lemon face, like some of that dialogue, uh, you just watch how the characters come to life and uh, and the arc that she has taken is is almost unparalleled within any form of canon medium in, in Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I because. Yeah, spot on, mate. I think the closest thing we've ever had to this is uh, Saw Gerrera, you know, coming from Clone Wars into Rogue One. And I remember mm. at the time that being a really big deal. Yeah, and it was. It was just really impressive. It was really impressive. But I think a character like Saw, yep, cool, fair enough. But he was you know, certainly a background character Oh, yeah. In the series. It was almost like, maybe, boy, to be honest, it was like it wasn't much of a risk, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, right. No, you're right. He was a secondary tertiary character, maybe. Spot on, mate. Spot on. Now, is Ahsoka a different kettle of fish? Yeah, completely different. Ahsoka is one of the main characters of the Clone Wars. She is one of the, I wouldn't say main, but she is certainly an important character in Star Wars Rebels Mm -hmm. and other extended canon. She has her her own own novel. She has her own book, exactly. I was about to say Very good as well. Very good book. E.K. Johnson wrote it, I believe. Uh, Ashley Eckstein, shout out. She uh, voiced the audiobook for it, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that now to take that character and put her into a live-action format... I think that is so impressive. It's so impressive. But like what we kind of started off this main segment uh, with, mate, George Lucas and Dave Floney, this is all a given. Yeah, Anakin having a Padawan. All of it. It's like, yeah, that's what happened. And for me, mate, it almost reinforces my feelings. Uh of watching the last chapter in The Mandalorian, of thinking, you know what, this is actually one huge story. And (laughs) characters end up on places that are interesting. And their paths will cross. Their paths will cross. Um, And I think think it's just lovely to see. I really think it's lovely, lovely to see. But I think it's fair to say that Ahsoka's initial reaction, despite her success now and, you know, her her fame now um, wasn't always the case. When Ooh. when the Clone Wars film first came out, like there were people that were adamant <laughs> that Star Wars was dead. dead. Dead, buried. George Lucas has killed it. Like, nail in the coffin. We thought Revenge of the Sith was pretty good and we were on to something else. Heard about a live-action TV show coming about and uh, no, no, they're redoing the Clone Wars because Clone Wars was already done, guys. The Clone Wars had already been done in the 2D animation series, 2003, 2005. Yeah, yeah. The Tarkovsky um, one, or Tarkovsky, that, sorry. That's right. And they were like, no, we're going to redo this. There's more to that story. There's more depth to it. Um, but listen, Matt, I'm glad they did. 
because we did we did an episode about that didn't we uh i think it was on our patreon actually um yeah i think you did a uh, clone wars one of tarkovsky yeah oh right okay yeah because i think because again i remember watching that as it came out because i was the i was the perfect age Mm -hmm. for that and i remember seeing um the clone wars and for me that was my clone wars right and after re-watching it i was like man like what it's all visuals it's all visuals there's like barely any dialogue dialogue in any of this um and uh oh my days if if that were the case if that were just clone wars you know no way would star wars touch the hearts of so many in that generation, you know, the Levi generation, you know, there's plenty of other Star Wars podcasters now where they're in that same bracket. They're in that same boat where they didn't even see the prequels in cinema. They saw the Clone Wars on telly, on Cartoon Network. That's, mate, that's crazy. That's crazy. And it's funny how, you know, these kids, they could, kind of gauged that this show wasn't perfect but for them it was saturday morning cartoons it was fun and it was a different adventure every week with characters from these awesome films that had great stunts in it and great fights in it and loads of droids and and clone troopers and battles and a drama and secrecy you know and uh I think again, it just kind of adds to the success of of Ahsoka, but you know we've really got to give props to uh, George Lucas and Dave Filoni here. Yeah, man, you're spot on. We know we, everyone quite rightly talks about that uh, Ahsoka is kind of Dave's um, Dave's passion project, if you will. But let's not forget, obviously, George was behind the scenes, and when Ahsoka was brought into the Clone Wars, George was still the driving force behind everything. Uh, in that clip, they even mentioned, you know, George is the master and Dave is like the hungry apprentice. Um, and obviously now um, Dave may as well be the master alongside big boy Favreau. But yeah, the, the the Clone Wars was important to Star Wars in an awful lot of ways. Just expanding the lore, building on what the prequels, as George himself says, what the prequels didn't even have time to add. They, he says we only skimmed the surface of the Clone Wars and the Clone Wars animation series allowed them to dive deeper but it allowed them to introduce these new characters and obviously the storylines which you all know about which i'm not going to mention go into but maul and satine and all that all these other things in the clones it built upon it so much but then it also built upon ahsoka it gave us a padawan for anakin and of course the first question is well how come they didn't mention her in the films but they kind of they got they kind of get away with that by having a leave the order and then by the time Revenge of the Sith comes around, Anakin's too tied up, saving the Chancellor, and then killing Mace Windu to mention Ahsoka. Um, spoilers. But I <laughs> we get it gets yeah. characters like Ahsoka. Now, I think Rebels needs to get a shout out here as well, because had Ahsoka yes. just been in the Clone Wars, she still would have been a a character who the fans had a lot of adoration for. But then bringing her into Rebels and what she did in that, like bossing those Inquisitors, taking on Vader. Uh, meeting up with the clones, finding out about you know Anakin and who, who what happened to him, um, and how world between worlds that gave that took her to the next level for fans because it saw her progression as a character, uh, which then set up for me the even more of a reveal and a kind of celebration when she came into 
the Mandalorian because again, jumping off exactly what you've just said, Rebels for a lot of people was their Clone Wars, which sounds yes. odd because that makes us feel a bit older. But Rebels would have been people, some people's jumping off point, as would Resistance for a later generation. Is that this is this is their Star Wars, and it's amazing to see how many people online in the aftermath of this weekend's episode have been saying, you know, I I first I obviously first saw in the in the animation. And that's, that was my first foray into Star Wars was the animated world. So for them, this means even more, which is, which is wonderful to see. And you know me, I love them t- uh, bringing things together, but see the, re- see the recap and the, and the geek end for the caveat to that. But, uh, but yeah, obviously with Ahsoka, you've got Ashley Eckstein and now you've got Rosario Dawson. But Ashley Eckstein voiced her and has done for the entire uh, run of her of Ahsoka's Star Wars career, if you will. Also doing that audio book you mentioned, which you haven't read that book, guys. And Luke, go check it out. But oh. I mean, what Ashley Eckstein's brought to the character, because it hasn't gone under the radar because Rosario Dawson crushed it. But what it's, it is always pertinent to know, and it's not new news, but it's always good to mention, obviously, what Ashley has brought to the character, that kind of useful energy to start with, her maturing into the role as well but how she's gone on the journey with this character, what the character means to her with the her universe line and how it's inspired her and a generation of young girls and boys as well to have someone to look up to. You know, what, what Ashley Eckstein has done for the character and within the franchise, that should never be overlooked either, should it? No, not at all, man. And I think... Um... I think with that, again, it's kind of like with David Prowse, right? what we mentioned at the start of the show and on the uh, on the BBC, you know, without David Prowse, there isn't Vader. There isn't that physicality. And Ashley just brings this charm. And uh, just, she was, she's a great voice actress, right? She's a, she's a brilliant voice actress. And what I love, and this is kind of going back to what you've mentioned with the Rebels thing, right? Is that the Ahsoka Tano, Actually, let me let me let me rephrase this. I'm going to lead back to this point. So don't think I'm deserting this point, right? <laughs> but I think there's going to be a few upset people that watch, and I think they're in a minority, by the way, a, like a very small minority that will watch this episode of The Mandalorian and be like, "That's not my Ahsoka," you know, "That's not the Ahsoka I remember." And for some of those people, that's just always going to be the case because Ahsoka is animated and she's voiced by Ashley Eckstein and there's loads of other stuff to go along with that. However, on the flip side of that, mate, um, I I feel like by the time Ashley Eckstein is reprising her role in Rebels, you're automatically getting a more grown-up, and conservative in nature, Ahsoka Tano. Mm-hmm. You have someone who isn't like going all cocky and blah, 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 blah. You know, there's still Ahsoka there. There's still that personality, but she has just a, more wisdom. Yeah. She has more experience. She's been battle damaged. She's lost her master. Dare I say, she's probably broken hearted, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like, mate, when Rosario Dawson was on screen, in this episode of The Mandalorian, I was like, that is Rebels Ahsoka. That's Rebels Ahsoka. She is matured. She's grown up. She's a little heartbroken. 
you know, but she's distancing herself from it. And I think the best scenes for me, some of the best scenes in that episode and actually Mandalorian ever are the interactions between Mando, Ahsoka and Grogu. Oh, I just think those interactions, those scenes, I watched it again. I've watched it three times now this episode. Um, I think they're gorgeous, mate. They're yeah. beautiful. And we're seeing someone who knows what they're talking about, yeah. <laughs> basically. And I think that's a big shout out to both Rosario Dawson and Ashley Eckstein, because it shows that Ashley was able to use her talent to give off in Rebels that Ahsoka had matured and grown up a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And that gave us such a nice foundation, a beautiful foundation for Rosario Dawson to jump off of and to portray, you know, one of the fan favorites. Yep. And I think that is a big well done to both, you know. And Matty Boy, we've discussed this uh, outside of the pod and in the pod. And I think. You know, there's a difference without trying to go into this too much. I think there is a difference between a voice actor and an actor, right? And they're not exclusive to each other. Um, But personally, I'm glad they went with Rosario Dawson. With all due respect to Ashley Eckstein, I'm not sure if those lightsaber battles or running over a rooftop would have been quite the same with Ashley Eckstein. No, yeah, we haven't. Obviously, Ashley Eckstein is first and foremost. I mean, she's a voice actress, and but she is also a a live action um, actress as well. But uh, like we mentioned, Rosario Dawson is a she's a she's a Hollywood actress. And again, it doesn't, doesn't mean she's going to be better for the role, but she has the physicality, she has the look um, to pull that off, and and she really did as well. And she really did pull it off. And I, I agree. As soon as I heard out, because uh, I remember the first time Rosario Dawson tweeted about it, so I genu- genuinely do as well. I remember somebody mentioned that she'd be great, and she responded by saying something along, along lines of "Yes, yes, 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 please." And uh, immediately, I was like, "I can see that." That's like, it's kind of like your dream casting because she's a very, very good actress, and yeah. she looks like if you put the the uh, the Montrals, as we now know they're called, on her and get her all decked out, I can see Ahsoka. And as came to pass last weekend. It was, it was a soaker and more, but um, no, I, I agree with what you say that it, you know Ashley Eckstein is the character. She is a, a soaker. She always will be as well to a lot of people because of what she's given, and she did lay down a massive foundation for Rosario Dawson, who's come out and said, you know, the work Ashley has done and everything she's done to create this character gave her like the she was the perfect handover to her. She couldn't have asked for any more, basically. Yeah. And I mean, firstly. It's probably the best tribute you can get is having the inc- current incumbent basically say that this is all possible because of you. But um, so yeah, I, and I, I sorry, that's all I've had to say is I like the idea that they gave it to Rosario. They they didn't go with sentiment because I know a lot of people would have liked to have seen uh, Ashley Eckstein in the role, but they they went with the person who they thought could do the best role in live action. And I mean, we're never going to know how Ashley would do, but I feel in my bones they got this one right, man. I think you're spot on, man. I think you're spot on. And I think, you know, as as prequel boys, we totally get that there is enough room for a character 
to have two actors. Oh, yeah, yeah. And for you to love them and adore them equally. And, you know, differently too. Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, Hello there. calm. Hello Matt there. Lanter you know, and Hayden Christensen as Anakin. A lot of people see Matt Lanter as their Anakin now because right. he voiced him for so long and, you know, respect. Yeah, respect. Put respect on it. You know, we're all here for that. Now, even, even, even at a stretch, Harrison Ford, Olden Ehrenreich. It's true. No, you, you have to throw you know, that in there. The age gap, hella different. <laughs> you know, the age gap is pretty much non-existent. But, you know, that's a conversation for another time. Um, I I think it's totally feasible to, to love both of these. Uh, both of these actors... And uh, their art, you know, because the, the art that they've created is wonderful. And, we, you know, we should be celebrating that. Um, and I tell you what, mate, it, a, a funny little thought um, and, and good timing, really, is that the Vanity Fair article by the Brez, by Anthony Bresnikan, uh, come out recently. Yep. Uh, only a few hours ago. And uh, yeah, he's talking to Rosario Dawson and Dave Filoni all about this episode of The Mandalorian. And it is juicy. There's loads of stuff in there. If you haven't read it, read through it. There's a lot of stuff, to be honest. There's a lot of stuff in there that you probably already know or have guessed or maybe even theorized, right? Um, But an interesting point is that when Dave Filoni approached Kathleen Kennedy and uh, John Favreau about the casting of a live-action Ahsoka, it seems like, from the article, right, from the article, it seems like um, Ashley Eckstein wasn't even a consideration. You know, yeah. we they need someone different. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, and it goes... I'm going to touch on something we mentioned, mate, in our cheeky recap uh, about the Montrals. Is that the right pronunciation? Is, Ahsoka, I assume so. Yeah. It's, it's Ahsoka's Montrals. Uh, and we, yeah, yeah, basically. So obviously the length of Ahsoka's Montrals is different to when we last saw them in, in Rebels. In Rebels, it implies that they've grown like her hair. And as Matty Boy kindly suggested, yeah, she's had a haircut. She's had a little bit of a trim. Got herself good, um, looking, looking, looking sharp for the occasion. Yeah, that's it. Like a footballer, you that's said, it. wouldn't it, mate? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and listen, in the Vanity Fair article, they go and mention a few things that I think it's completely yeah. it's really interesting it's a good read mm-hmm. and i think they are completely right on this occasion and it's the it's actually there's an interesting thing about ahsoka's eyes right yeah dave filoni talked about how uh ahsoka in the animation has blue eyes right mm-hmm. and he's kind of like talking through with rosario dawson he's like well obviously you got brown eyes um but you know we can try blue but if you're not comfortable with that that's fine we can just say in in this portrayal of ahsoka she has brown eyes and rosario dawson is like no 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 i'm gonna try i'll try i'll try the blue eyes and tried it and it and it works now that's that tells you a lot that tells you a lot and i'll level with you matty boy i think some people are going to be you know under more understanding of this than others because my friends that is artistic license 
yeah especially when it comes to animation it's interpretation the lightsabers in rebels are stick thin that is a conscious artistic style it is a portrayal it is not telling you that canon canonically lightsabers are toothpicks in that era of star wars for those couple of years that's not what it's saying it's an artistic style right it happens all the time especially in animation in animation it's an art style and even in live action that kind of thing happens um to me i'm not bothered about it but i thought that that just tells you a lot that really at the forefront here is storytelling and paying respect to Ahsoka as a character, as opposed to getting caught up in stupid details like like that, right? I, I always remember hearing that J.J. Abrams in The Force Awakens uh, was spending hours deciding, you know, what buttons were being used on jackets and stuff like that. I, I heard those reports. I don't know if they're, I don't, you know, know how true they are, but I, I do know that J.J. Abrams does get caught up in these sort of details. And, you could be using that time far more effectively, right? You need people like that for details. Don't get me wrong. But I just think um, I think that's an interesting thing to take away from that Vanity Fair article, mate, boy. Yeah, I know. I agree. I love the fact that she was like, no, no, let, if the character has blue eyes, then we, we go with blue eyes. Let, let's let's do it. Um, it's me, for my OCD, I'm so glad that they did because as soon as I'd see, gone online and someone said, well, hold on, this version's got brown eyes, not blue eyes. Then that's all I would have thought about was, oh, they missed that. Because not even like canonically, but they did the same in like The Hobbit with Legolas's eyes and it bothers me no end. But um, yeah, I like the fact that she went in with that. And also in that article by Anthony Bresnikan, it, it does go into her understanding of the character and how much um, research she went into, into finding out more about the character, her, her arc, so where she started obviously where she ended up in the Clone Wars going into Rebel. So it wasn't just a case of, oh, well, she looks cool. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. No, she really put the hours in to try and, um, to try and replicate it and bring her own stamp to it. So for me, I appreciate that she went back and wanted to make the best of this character that she could. And um, you mentioned, we're talking about story. One of my biggest concerns about having Ahsoka in the manor obviously was just, what did she need to be in there? But it was also the last time we saw her in Rebels, she had that kind of what we're now calling Ahsoka the White, you know, Gandalf the White type um, uh, interpretation. And, you know, I've always, that, 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 that was always what kind of bothered me as well was, for me, like prior to the Mando, her going up against Vader and sacrificing herself for the Ghost Crew would have been a powerful ending for the character. And also would have actually been for me, at the t- for what I, uh, before this weekend, you know, it would have been like, it, to me, it was like the obvious choice. You know, she goes up against her old master, and that is the end of her story. You know, they make it as big and emotional as possible. And then the whole world between worlds things happen, and yeah, and then she comes back as Gandalf the White. And I was like, come on, come on, Dave, come on. What 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 game are you playing here? It's 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 a bit odd. But then I see you in the Mandalorian, and I'm like, actually, well, I'm quite glad that they didn't. Uh, offer in that episode because she was so good in the Mandalorian and the reaction of the fans, the vast majority worldwide uh, and the outlets as well has been so positive to have this 
big character from animation being brought into live action. But because um, obviously I don't know how the story is going to end. I'd like to know what you think, how her story is going to win. But did you think, uh, I mean, did you think that was a logical point to like, get to stop her character development or, or regardless of the Mandalorian, are you quite glad that they didn't kill her off against Vader and she came back anyway? That's a really good question. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> classic Matty boy. He's not. He's not just bringing the sausage rolls, mate. He's bringing the steak bakes and cheeky mockers like too. Mate, get on the spice train. We got mockers. We got steak bakes. Uh, mate. On paper, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. And I, I, do you know what? Not just on paper. I think that would have been a quite a poetic ending. Um, her getting killed by a master. I Listen, I always think watch this space. Let's see where the story goes. Yeah, man. Um, I think they, I think their story left to tell, but let's just hope they don't make them a same mistake. You know, and I'm, I'm using that word loosely. Yeah. Mistake. Real, real loosely. Um, let's hope they don't make the same mistake they did with Palpatine in episode nine, where they oh, bring yes. back a character just for bringing her back. You know, that would that would that would suck. That'd be a really bad thing. Yeah. Um, but again, another thing they said in the Vanity Fair um article was they were speaking to Rosario Dawson about Ahsoka's casting in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And this was before, or just just before the first series was coming out, right? Yeah. So this is this is like autumn 2019. They were like, "Yeah, we, we, Ahsoka's back, and we have concept art, and you're on it. We just really want you to play this character. How, how do you feel about it?" For me, mate, that that would be almost like the equivalent of someone around for the end of force awakens time approaching ian mcdermott and saying look palpatine's back mm-hmm. uh how do you feel about this or you know ideally during production of force awakens right how do you feel about coming back for episode nine for me it's kind of like that it seems like there's a bit more foresight and planning in this than in in other star wars stories so to be honest, mate, I have a good feeling about this. Hey, wink, wink. Um, but yeah, that part of me is like, yeah, that would have been a good ending. But after seeing her, you know, purely going off emotion and feelings, this is it. after seeing her on Friday, mate, Matt, come on. Come on. This is it, mate. This is it. Uh, having seen, I was like, do you know what? I'm all for, because Rosario Dawson, she's a boss anyway. But she was so good. She looked so good in the, like the character, the way she was designed, the the outfit she was given. I think a lot of people call it like the samurai outfit. Looked so good. Again, the physicality. I'm all up for seeing more. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Did you just say it looked so good? It, oh, sorry. Uh, if, bear with me, guys. It looked so good. Oh yes, oh, yes. Right, Ahsoka. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, that one's for you. Um, but yeah, the, the actors are great. And <laughs> how she's been Rosario. I'd love to see more of a an Ahsoka spin-off, which it looks like <laughs> it looks like this was a advertisement for. But on top of that as well, right. Dave Filoni has said, Well, you hear her voice in the rise of Skywalker, but it doesn't mean she's dead, guys. And I did mention actually in a I think it's the Rise of Skywalker spoiler novelization 
review that I did when that mm. book came out. I did mention that in the novel, and I know what your thoughts about novels are, but it's all canon. It said that yeah. some of the voices didn't sound like they were, they sounded disembodied from the force. So they did it. In other words, the way it was written was some of the voices didn't sound dead was basically what they were saying. So they kind of left themselves that door open because as soon as you hear, hear Ahsoka's voice, you're like, oh, she's obviously, which would make sense because it is like 30 years later. But apparently, according to Dave, she may, she doesn't mean she's one with the force. So it looks like there's an awful lot of stories coming for her. And it, by the sounds of it, mate, uh, it looks like, again, nothing's been confirmed, but it, it, on the cards that we're going to get some sort of Ahsoka uh, spin-off, potentially on the hunt for Grand Admiral Thorne, maybe with Sabine. Because Dave said, and he was at massive pains to say the word possibly, he said possibly this appearance in The Mandalorian may have been actually set before her appearance in the, the finale of Rebels. So that may have actually been after this. And he did say, possibly, 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 don't take my word for that. But it may have been. So we wow. looks like we're getting more Ahsoka. I'm, are you up for an Ahsoka Disney Plus show? Or is that, you know, another, another show too many? Again, there's a fine line between too many and... And really good. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and what we've so seen. good. Yeah, there's a, again, it's I feel like there's some of the projects I'm really excited for. And some of the projects I'm sure are in pre-production, uh, not in full production. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for an Ahsoka. I'm I'm more excited, put it this way, I'm more excited for an Ahsoka show than I am a Cassian Andor show. Or a or dare I say a Boba Fett one. Or a Bad Batch. Oh, Bad Batch is different, isn't it? Like that's animated. Do you know what my, I'm growing on bad by it the idea counts. of a cheek, cheeky batch, you know? A cheeky yeah. batch. I'm the idea's growing on me a wee bit, but it could be animated. Animated, you know, I, that's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? That's a, that's, that's a different game altogether. But, yeah, all in all, I think, yeah, Ahsoka, bring it on. Bring on the spice, mate. Well, what about you? Are you optimistic about an Ahsoka series? Uh, yes, now, because I don't want that story to bleed into the Mandalorian. I've said that many times ad nauseum now, but it, I, right. I, I don't really, I don't want the Mando to be used as a jumping off point, but I'd rather it be used as a jumping off point for other spin-offs than to suddenly have, you know, the what happened in the season finale of Rebels and that play out in the Mandalorian as like a side story. I don't want that. It's not it's not the Mandalorian, that's the Rebel sequel. Put that in right. its own show. So from that side, yeah, give give Ahsoka her own show so they can tie up the search for Ezra, um, get Sabine in there, get Grand Admiral Thrawn in there. I mean, how cool would that be? I'm not uh, against the idea of him appearing. I'd just rather him do it in another show. But also, again, just to bang that drum, having seen, just we've only seen her once, but having seen what Rosario Dawson could potentially do long term, I'm excited. I'm excited. And apparently there's there's rumblings that she may even be back in one of these last three episodes. Nothing's confirmed, but there's word on the treadmill that she may be back. And as we said in the recaps, any rumours about the Mando, I believe now, because they all just happen to come true. But so she yeah, may or may not it, be man. back, but yeah, man, if you offered it to me now, if, uh, I'd say, yeah, I'm still excited for the Cassian one because uh, it's obviously pre-Rebellion, but I've seen uh, uh, this uh, iteration of Ahsoka, so I know what we could get. And yeah, man, I'm all for that. Oh, man. Yeah, I've changed my all, tune. 
Yeah, no, that's nice to hear. But do you know what? This is all very fresh, mate. You know, we've mm. got we've got weeks and months and maybe years to process all of this. You know, so I'm not in a rush to get my feelings, you know, cemented on something. You know, and it, oh right, that's it. Now I feel like no, come on, like be a bit more open minded about it. So. Um, you know, even myself, you know, I'm looking at, I'm trying to look at things, you know, maybe a bit more critically than I would, or or maybe the other way around, trying to like ease off it. All I know, mate, is I'm having a whale of a time. I'm having fun with this. I think it's a great laugh. Yeah. And I was talking with my brother today about the Mandalorian. And for me, mate, and I know for plenty of people, it just keeps ticking the boxes. And uh, I was really a part of me was just you know a bit worried about season two and thinking you know is this gonna be as good as series one because that was such a good series and every friday mate i'm just enjoying it i'm enjoying it more and more and i tell you what mate chapter 13 this one we've just watched i'm gonna be re-watching that a lot a lot matty boy and you know what mate i've said it a few times now in the past few weeks i've got to say mate for me it's canon that wins it's mm-hmm. you guys that win you know it's the guys and i i, I spoke to david dunn on our instagram post recently oh, about this about about ahsoka you know because i posted a picture of ahsoka and dave uh he, he's a good lad he's a local mm. boy huh, local boy it? huh uh, I was waiting for you to do that, mate, boy. I knew it. I knew it. He goes, hands down, my most favorite episode of the Mando so far. It's incredible. Simply mind-melting. And I go on and ask him, you know, do you feel like this is a big payoff for people who have been following Star Wars canon for so long? And he goes, 100%. You know, it's a huge cowboy hat tip to the loyal fans. And he goes on about other stuff. And I think, yeah, it's just nice that this is just one huge universe. And it's now completely feasible that a main character from an animated show can turn up in live action and vice versa. I mean, that is definitely something to be proud of. Mate, that is an accomplishment. That is a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And you know what, mate? You know, we always talk about, I always made the comparison. Star Wars is my team. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mate, we've just like won a huge match. We have just done something absolutely massive. My team has just smashed it out of the park. That is what's happened, mate, here. Yeah, man. And look, Cobb Vanth, interlude and aftermath, comes into the Mando. People love him. He's a hunk, but people like the character as well. And I mean, I've always, and I've always, this is what I've said since episode one, is that, look, there's good characters out there in these books and comics and animators, good stories. Don't Sometimes you don't need to create new ones. Just use the ones you've already got. And for those who don't follow it, firstly, they're not going to be alienated necessarily. And secondly, maybe they can go and check those canon out because like like we always say, it all counts as all connected. And what John and David and Kathy and everyone is doing is, is now actually making good on that promise. Now, I don't expect the next film to come out and have somebody from the interludes in the Ahsoka novel or like the Martez sisters in it, but... It's nice to know that the potential is there for your favourite and mine and a lot of people's. It's nice to know that the opportunity is there. So, um, yeah, I agree, mate. It's a, it's a win for us dorks out there. And I mean, I just wanted to end for my thoughts on, I wanted to find out from you, mate, is we mentioned impact. What impact does this character had on not just obviously the fan base, but the franchise as a whole? Uh, it's huge, mate. It's massive. It is absolutely massive. I think, you know, 
Ahsoka's gone from, like I said earlier in the episode, you know, it feels like an underdog character. You know, someone who's relatively unknown, come from a cartoon series on Cartoon Network to now one of the most talked about characters in popular culture this this year. I think it's huge, mate. It's huge. And do you know what, Matt? I think she's only going to get bigger. Yep, I think I think you're right, mate. When this series comes, she's going to get bigger. She's already got a legion of fans, as you mentioned earlier on. You know, she's what she's done for for young girls in the fandom who look up to this and think, Do you know what, I can be this badass character as well, who's also got that emotional side as well, who's a nice person. Ahsoka, we didn't even mention that, uh, through it all, is a caring person. She always puts the needs of others first, except those people in the forest on Corvus when she was slaughtering them like dogs. But that was good fun to watch. Um, so the yeah, the impact on that side of the fandom has been wonderful and again props to Ashley Exxon for a lot of that but in 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 saga as well who would have thought in 20 whenever it was the Clone Wars movie came out that we'd all be getting absolutely the, the scenes when we see Ahsoka Tano in the live action the Mandalorian I don't think anyone even her biggest fans from the day one would have ever guessed this we would have seen this and also the reaction from the fans and the wider public as well so I think it's testament to again Ashley to Dave to George to Rosario to everyone uh, for creating this incredible character. And we wanted to close out with a little bit of audio, just touching actually on what Lukey Boy said. It's our guys, George and Dave again, and they're talking about animation and canon. I think from animation, one of the great things is you never treated the animation as something separate or different. It was just all part of the story. And that meant a lot because a lot of times in animation, you delegated something else. Oh, it doesn't need to be as good. Or it's just that animation thing. And we kept pushing to say, but we want the visuals in the story to just be an extension of the films. That's art. That's evolving. You never want to sit still. I mean, that's why the last season of the show looks better than the first. Hi, I'm Ken Napsok, author of Why We Love Star Wars, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Blue Moon oh. is empty, but thankfully, after that wonderful Tano talk, let's talk about Ahsoka, uh, I can see we've just dropped off outside our favourite dusty drinking hole. It's the Bantina, shall we? Oh, yeah, let's do it, mate. <laughs> Yes, one of those muscles. Uh, as we do each week for those new to the show and those old to the show, we sit down here in the Bantina with the greatest listeners in the galaxy. That's you guys. And we have a couple of Kef beers. Uh, and we get your thoughts on our main discussion, which, of course, you just heard this week was Ahsoka Tano. And we are stacked this week. Oh, mate, we are stacked like a Ben Solo. And to kick us off is the King of Wales. You know him, you love him. It's Luke Summerfield. Let's hear it. Anakin's greatest achievement. She is what it means to be a Jedi, humble, trustworthy, a guardian of peace and justice. Ashley and Rosario have played a wonderfully, and I can't wait for more. 2020 is the year of Ahsoka Tano, and she lives in all of us. Hashtag Dave Filoni is Alpha Wolf. Love you guys and all the sessioners. Pretty sure uh, Anakin's uh, biggest achievement was spinning because that's a good <laughs> trick. But anyway, thank you for sending that in, Lukey boy. Epic as ever. Well put, mate. And we echo all those thoughts. Dude, uh, onto the written notes. Uh, Valsiva, I certainly hope I got that right. Valsiva95 said, 
seeing her journey from a bratty but good-hearted Padawan to a Jedi Master in all but name for over a decade, decade has been amazing. Spot on, mate. And Sean Hudson, heard of him, buys beer, said, absolutely ace, talking about the character. I've said to me, Matt, before, I believe Ahsoka is the best character development across all formats in the Star Wars universe. It, her and Anakin, but she lives on. She's probably my favourite character in the universe, and Star Wars to date wouldn't have happened without her. In my opinion, she is the main character in Star Wars. Flaming heck. Classic Sean Buys Beer Hudson. Uh, <laughs> up next, we got none other than our own Sith Loward. It's Darth Dildo from Dionanda. From the first moment we see Snips to one of the saddest moments in Star Wars of her leaving the Jedi Temple, to her epic fight with Maul, to her I am no Jedi moment, and now to her striking debut in live action. Ahsoka Tano lives in all of us, as Ashley Eckstein says, and she has been solidified as one of the Star Wars greats. Suffering from mental illness, every time I'm feeling down or low or like giving up, I turn to Ahsoka Tano um, to inspire me to, to keep going uh, through her love and energy and, and never say die attitude. So thank you, Ashley Eckstein. Thank you, E.K. Johnson. And thank you, Rosario Dawson, for bringing such an amazing and beautiful character to life in this galaxy. And without Dave Filoni and George Lucas, Ahsoka Tano wouldn't be possible. So a massive thank you to them. Have the best week, session is. May the force be with you all. Mwah. Lovely message there from our boy Dylan. Thank you so much, dude. Yep, another powerful message. Thank you very much, mate. We've got another voice message now, another international voice, and one we always love hearing. It's our favourite Swedish Jedi. It's the Swedish Jedi, Matilda Backlund. Hello. This is Matilda, or the Swedish Jedi from Sweden. I honestly can't begin to tell you how much I loved this episode. Ahsoka in live action was a dream come true. Everything that I ever dreamt of as a little girl, being badass, being tough, being able to fight my enemies, you know, face my challenges in life. I loved it and it was like an early Christmas gift for me and I was so excited. I really can't wait for what's to come. And this, my friends, is how you do a female character who is believable, relatable, real, but also really strong and capable. I absolutely loved it. That is the impact that Ahsoka Tano has had. Thank you so much for that, Matilda. Love it, love it, love it. And to carry on with the spicy voice messages is our boy, Adrian. Surely, let's hear him. Ahsoka embodies more than any other character, perhaps, what a Jedi should be. No other character in Star Wars is so relentlessly positive, kind and selfless. Her ability to appeal to all generations is crucial. During lockdown this year, my eldest, then just five years old, watched the entirety of The Clone Wars and Rebels in a matter of two to three weeks, with Ahsoka fast becoming his favourite character. It was then I realised her full power. She's a representative of the viewer in the story, especially for kids where her attitude and humour are very real world. I thought Rosario Dawson was excellent in The Mando, but a huge tribute should go to Ashley Eckstein, who shaped and still embodies the character to this day. 
Passing the torch can't have been easy, but like Ahsoka herself, Ashley has done it with great grace. Ahsoka lives in all of us. Classic Adrian. And shout out to his kid for binging Clone Wars and Rebels in... um in two or three weeks, whatever it was. Whatever it is, get that kid to the Olympics. I don't, I don't know what in, but just <laughs> do it. Just Japan, whenever the next one is. Yeah, get him, get him there. Thank you for sending that in, dude. That's it, mate. And uh, we have one final voice message from a tank known as Jimmy Adams. Let's hear what the king had to say. Hey, Matt and Luke. I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for helping us get through this crazy year with your spicy hot takes and all things Star Wars. I don't know if you guys realize how much joy you've brought to so many people and how much we appreciate the amazing community that you guys have built on the Discord, on your Patreon, on Instagram and Twitter. It's just great to have a positive place to land with Star Wars. Um, Having said that, though, to be perfectly honest, I'm struggling with this week's episode, The Jedi. I tried my hardest to speculate responsibly and did not feel like I had expectations for Ahsoka. Um, the jarring opening threw me off right from the get-go. Seeing her cutting down people f- didn't feel like the Ahsoka we've seen in the past. It seems like it was always battle droids except for the end of Season 7, which the remorse was obvious in her face when she was fighting the clone troopers. I was all in for Rosario playing Ahsoka. I've loved her in everything she's been in, and I was really pumped the, to see her bring this role to, to life. Unfortunately, I got more feels from seeing the Night Owl helmet when Bo-Katan showed up in Chapter 11. I really hope we get more Ahsoka because it took a while for her to grow on me originally. I was not thrilled with her when I first saw her in the Clone Wars movie, but now I have her markings tattooed on my shoulder. I honestly can't put my finger on what made it feel off or why it felt off, but it's my burden to bear and I am thrilled for everyone that thought she was perfect. Nothing brings me more joy than people enjoying Star Wars. Um, Keep up the great work and remember, it's all about that execution. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Hunk Jimmy. Yeah, thank, firstly, thank you for the kind words at the beginning of your message there, mate. It, it's one way to bring a an odd-aged man to uh, to welling up. It's really, really appreciate hearing, honestly, hearing nice words like that about anything we can do to help people is wonderful. And, uh, I dig that, your sentiment there, mate. Honest there. Honest coming out in the face of such positivity to say, do you know what? Something didn't quite land for me. And, and but the fact that you ha- and the fact that you have her markings on your on your body is testament to your you know love of the character and and how you've gone from not liking us per se to loving her that much. So I pre- we appreciate your honesty, man. And let's hope let's hope in the next few weeks and months when we see more of hopefully that um, let's hope that you uh, you like her a bit more. And if you don't, that's that's just, this is the way. Do you know what with the old. Um... Ahsoka battling like the droids and stuff. There were opportunities Ahsoka had to in in Chapter Thirteen, Amando to to like you know kill people, to strike people down, but she didn't. She let them run away. So there are a few moments like that, and I think the only people that do uh, get their drink thrown over their head is um, is when they are going to kill her. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, have a little rewatch. But you know, mate. Fair enough. You know this. This is a big moment in Star Wars. So you know, and, and it is obviously for you. So don't take it lightly, man. So uh, have have a meditation on it. Have a think about it. Let it sink in. Um, but mate, what a lovely bunch of voicemails we had from from a, a a plethora of accents and places. I love that, man. 
Well, as Luke would say, what a bunch of sick heads we've got following this show. <laughs> um, yeah, but a lot of the comments we got, thank you so much for sending them in. A lot of the comments basically went along with that arc that they weren't a fan of the character to start with, but they have all enjoyed and appreciated her journey. Uh, Chris Brazier on Instagram sent a boss message through as well, pretty much echoing that. Um, so we had a lot of comments about that. And thank you, everyone, for doing that. And, yeah, Ahsoka lives in all of us seems to be the hashtag. Obviously, Ashley Eckstein dropped it on socials. And there's a lot of uh, pattern in those messages of the good that the character brings and the, in, it brings out in a lot of people or helps them through tough periods. So um, that's one hell of a achievement for a character to do and shout out again. But thank you, everyone, for sending in your messages to us. Absolutely love it. Uh, May boy, I believe that... Uh beautifully transitions us into the Patreon section of the Bantina, and that is where our patrons get to ask us a question every month. For extra content, go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. You know it's going to be so good. Best podcast Best podcast. He's not lying. He's, right? not. He's not lying. It is going to be just so good. So good. Double so good. Double down this week. A, a, a dibble double down. Um, and, and talking of so good, it's our boy, Sammy Cudmore, who's an absolute ledge. He asked this, my boy. He goes, picture this. Our boy Din was generous enough to give you each a Cantono of Beskar. He has proceeded to lead you down the sewers to the armourer's workstation. This is prior to legging it out of Navarro, (laughs) of course. I'm reading that like in a proper British way. That seems like a British-ism, but maybe the the Americans say it too. There's only one thing left for each of you to do. Pick your kit what colour scheme would your Beskar armour be? And what would be your signet? What a question, Sammy boy. Matt, what is your answer, dude? Sammy bringing the heat. Um, for, uh, well, it could be one of two. It could either be red and white, like the Saints, my beloved Southampton who capitulated this weekend. Red and white. <laughs> or, uh, this is ridiculous, but orange and pink, which is the... <laughs> Which is the colours of Dunkin' Donuts. But I've always loved that <laughs> colour scheme of orange and pink. <laughs> so my signet would be a donut, I guess, or, an, or a little rose, an English rose maybe for my signet. Um, I think that would have to be it, just, just to kind of like get across the right. point that I'm a hunter, but I'm also a nice guy. Yeah, nothing says nice guy like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts branding. That's it, like a pink, you know and, I mean? a pink and orange warrior with a rose on his arm. Yeah. But what about yourself, yeah. mate? Oh, it's a good one, mate. It's, it's a good uh, question. I, I, I really like it. To be honest, mate, my favourite colour is green. But I'm one of these people that I, I may have said this on the podcast before. I'm not someone who has a favourite colour like like that. My wife made me choose one because for years I went around telling people I don't have a favourite colour like because I love so many. I Yeah, I have favourites. I love the kaleidoscope. And, uh, yeah, my, my missus thought that that was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and I was like, well, I guess if I had to choose, if you twist my arm, it would be green. Uh, yeah, green, because, you know, you've got that commando thing going on. <laughs> you got, you know, yeah, green, I guess. Green and black, probably. You know, something real, like, moody, um, with maybe just 
like spots of color like a, just a, a splash like like real small details of like orange maybe yellow like norwich city <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> if we're talking football teams if we're talking like marriage um yeah so there we go signet now that's a good one um signet's a, a really really good one it'd probably be a emblem of matt's face <laughs> to scare off the potential uh prey yeah. predators yeah but, but you know, bring in the good guys. Bring in some Dunkin' Donuts, you know? I can go into Dunkin' Donuts, be like, show my signet. They'll be like, oh, oh, that guy. Re- the box of go. six for free. It- there we go, mate. And here's a latte. <laughs> Wink. And I'm like, this is the way. Thank that's you, the- Gordon. Because <laughs> that's who's behind the, um, oh, Gordon, yeah. behind the till. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant question, though, mate. Brilliant question. Love it. Yep. Nice one, Sammy. Again, every week we say the same, but we want to hear all of your answers to this. We'd love to hear your colour scheme for your best car and your signets as well. So uh, let us know after the show. Obviously, you can't let us know now because you haven't heard it. But let us know once you hear this what you would do for that. Uh, moving on, uh, we've got a question, a first-time question from our new patron, Scott Fisher. Uh, here, you'll know him as the uh, Essex Scott, the clone cosplayer. He asked, so in Season 7 of The Clone Wars... On the Siege of Mandalore arc, we get to see several clone troopers and commanders in their Revenge of the Sith kit, but obviously in the art style of the Clone Wars, such as the 327th and my boy Commander Bly on Felucia, for example. But if you could, what clone trooper variants or commanders from uh, Revenge of the Sith would you have liked to have made an appearance in the Clone Wars? I personally would have loved to have seen the clone airborne and Commander Gree in the art style of the Clone Wars. And Scott did say in his email, for his first question, what did you expect something other than a question about the clones so um so which clones did we see in revenge of the sith would we have liked to have seen transferred over to the clone wars animated series lukey boy do you have any answers for that um again because my clone wars knowledge i'm just being completely honest here scott uh, my clone wars knowledge isn't the best like, i can go on any trivia show i can go on a trivia show for star wars anyway maybe uh I'm, although i like a bit of the old trivial pursuit give mm. me the history and geography sections i'm all over that all over that mate capital of azerbaijan baku mate That's it. like that hey but um but mate uh i'll have to double check that in a second uh, yeah, you're right <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no um for me the, it always bugged me a little bit that there wasn't loads of commander cody in in clone wars and that's kind of like replaced by rex a little bit but again for me as someone who grew who was there when revenge of the sith came out i loved commander cody like so much and i felt like we we didn't get loads of um loads of him in uh, you know clone wars um but again i'll need to probably go back and you know rejug my memory on that uh but you know, Commander Bly in it. You know, name well, for name. I mean, come on. He was, come on. He was the hunkiest one of the lot. Yeah. No, I don't know about that. I thought he was um, stupid. Well, they all looked the same, actually, didn't they? So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he yeah, was still he the a, best. A nice birthmark. That's he had it. a birthmark <laughs> on his forehead. That's that it. Set him aside. In a cigarette. Yeah. What about face? you? There we go. That's. A, I mean, that makes sense. Anyone more more prettiful? Um, Matty boy, what what are you saying? Uh, well, this is a tough one simply because even like the most uh, obscure clone uh, troopers or commanders or squadrons in Sith 
Most of them made at least one appearance in the Clone Wars. If you were, if you were to go and search up Revenge of the Sith Clone Troopers, um, and then just look as a look on their Wikipedia, I'm sure you'll find out that almost all of them appeared at some point in the Clone Wars, apart from like uh, one of the I can't remember who it was now, but well, I think it was like Raid Squadron or something like that, who just basically was somebody over the radio, like send Raid Squadron in. They're the only ones I can th- I know that didn't make it into the Clone Wars. So mine is a boring answer. And it is going to be the clone paratroopers that Scott, or the clone airborne uh, that Scott mentioned, or AKA the clone paratroopers, mainly because I like orange and they are, they've got that boss orange and white um, paint, paint job. But again, yeah, the, any kind of an airborne, I love, like, you like war, uh, you like war, I like war, but any kind of, like, well, like the, re- going back to history, I mean, we don't like war, war's bad. But, uh, so the idea of paratroopers. <laughs> Matt's all over that. Yeah, just having to quickly retrace my tracks there. But yeah, the idea of like clone paratroopers to me, firstly, it just sort of like it makes it makes my mind go places like thinking of those old images. But what they could do in Star Wars, I think that would have been pretty boss to have seen in a animated series when they could have done potentially even more. So mm. um, yeah, I'm, I am going to be a bit boring to go and go for the clone paratroopers, mainly because yeah, I like orange. Secondly, because I think they would have been quite well suited to the show. Thirdly, because so many of the other ones, I believe, were already in the Clone Wars in one shape or form. Yeah, the paratroopers are so sick. So sick. Oh, yeah, sorry. So good. So good. Bunch of sickheads. Bunch of sickheads. Matthew Bell has his question next. Just wanted to say that for emphasis. Uh, He says, I was watching chapter one of The Mando again the other day and a couple things jumped out at me. Firstly, who do you think the Nikto geezers that Mando frees Grogu from are? I was thinking this exact thing the other day, dude. Yeah, I mentioned um, this the other week, man. Right. What What do they want for? Um, what do they want him for? Could they even be good guys? They did all give their lives in the process of defending him. Also, who do you think IG-11 was working for? His instructions are explicitly to terminate the little green fella, so his paymaster could be someone other than the client. Do you think these could indicate that there are other parties interested in Grogu, or are they just both useful plot devices? Matty boy, that is one heck of a question. What are you saying about that, mate? Oh, God. Um, right. I think as a fact, Matthew Bell always comes up with wonderful questions as to all our patrons, of course. Um, well, the Nikto, straight up, I think the Nikto just wanted a handsome payment and the reason they gave their lives because they wanted the payout of their life, basically, I think. Um, if they were, but imagine though, imagine if they were the good guys and in slaughtering them, Mando inadvertently led the Imperial Remnant to Grogu. What a twist that would be that these Nikto were like, no, please, we're trying to save him. And Mando was like, pow, 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 getting that big gun and killing everyone. It would be a twist, but I think, in all seriousness, I think Nikto were just a criminal organisation with a reputation um, tasked with protecting Grogu until um, until somebody could get their hands on him. But then, who who was that? I mean, the client wanted him, but I mean, surely Moff Gideon because he just swung in there with his ship and just blasted them all and taken them for himself. But um, that raises questions, and I, it was the question I, I think George Constantino mentioned it the other week about how did Baby Yoda get there? And that's been, that was playing on my mind before he asked. And I was like, how did they get him? That's what I want to know is how do they get him um, as well? But I'm sure we'll find out. But IG-11, 
Who is he working, Thor? <laughs> imagine, imagine if he was sent by Thrawn. That would be boss, but... Oh, man. I mean, the client said he gave out lots of fobs, but that doesn't mean he gave out IGs. I think it's just a useful plot device at the minute, but it could set up a rival faction to say, like, who, who, who sent out some bounty hunters to kill the baby, whereas the client was like, no, we want him, even though he did say pragmatically, you know, if, he, if, if you have to kill him, kill him as well, But because bounty hunters is a complicated profession, but... I think the yeah, story seems to be moving away from all that. And that's what I've been saying. The story seems to be getting kind of like bigger and bigger each week and moving away from well, bounty hunters, basically. Um, so I I don't know is your answer. I still think I still think the client sent him. I just think that different bounty hunters were given were given different instructions. So as they didn't all get together and were like, Well, hold on, if we if we've all been given the same instruction, let's just all do the job together. I think there was um I think they all got given slightly different instructions or half were told to kill the, the asset and others were told to um, to get it at any cost. So I think the client still did it, but, you know, if it was somebody else, that would be pretty sweet. But So I think the Nick Toad just wanted to get paid and I do think the client sent IG11, but with different orders. Nice, nice. Um, you kind of touched... I thought you were actually going to say what I was going to say, to be honest. Uh, I think, especially after this week's episode, there might be some clarity here. We know that post Palpatine's death, the, there were some divisions in the Empire, almost like mm-hmm. a power power grab, right? Yep. Um, and there's a lot of room for a story like that to be told, especially now we know that Thrawn is out and about and alive. Um, I could see one half of the Empire or one, let's say, faction of the Empire mm-hmm. trying to go and get Baby Yoda to help with their science experiments. Right? We, we obviously know that is Gideon's faction yeah and i'm assuming that's enough a a, a faction in 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 this theory may boy um and let's assume that someone like thrawn or maybe thrawn's faction want him killed because in their opinion all those experiments going to lead to craziness and as far as they can see palpatine only led to the downfall of the empire and then the empire itself needs a successor needs the new leadership and therefore, it's in their interest to stop the other faction's uh, chase for Grogu, for our little bubba. That's kind of like the theory I had in my head. Now, with the Nikto, you know, uh, that could be anything, to be honest. I don't have a straight answer for that right now in, in my head. You know, it could be that, listen, this kid, they know he's worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And they want to sell him. And they know he's worth that, and they know they can get that money. Maybe. I don't know. It, but it, it could be something as simple as that. I don't think it's going to be something too convoluted. I don't think they're good guys, although that would be crazy. Yep, that would be one heck of a twist if that was the case. But, yeah, Matthew, thank you so much for that. Uh, Matthew, Sammy, Scott, nice one, guys. And, again, we want to hear your answers, everybody, to those questions. So, Thank you for sending in the Patreon questions this week. The Kef beers are all drunk. Bartender, sorry about the mess there, but we will be back next week for another session in the Bantina. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Star Wars Sessions game. 
I always find myself dancing to that in behind the scenes. So uh, I'm glad the video isn't on today. It's the game. It's my turn to host this week. And it's short, sweet and simple this week. Would you like to know what you're playing, Blilo Ring? Oh, mate, of course. Lay on me. Right. It's called Ahsoka or Anoka. Basically, here is five quotes. Did Ahsoka say it or did actually, no, she didn't say it. Anoka, she didn't. Oh, okay. Uh, Ahsoka or Anoka. Oh, I got That's it. Right. I got it. Let's let's do this. Catchy, huh? Okay, so the first one. Cutie music, DJ. Okay. What defines us will ultimately lead us. I'm going to say Anoka. I think that is uh, fake. You think that's fake news? I, I, I think so, mate. I think so. You would be right in saying that. I've made that up because it makes no sense. So I've made it up to try and throw you off the scent. Uh, so, Lalo Ren, one for one. Is this the week we finally get our 100% in the game? Oh, 92 episodes later. Right. Uh, question two, or quote two. You don't have to look tough to be tough. <sighs> Do you know what? Clone Wars. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Soka, Matty boy. I'm gonna say Soka. You reckon she did say that? I, I re- it sounds familiar. It sounds familiar because she did say it. Yes, she did in the Clone Wars. To uh, well, somebody didn't look very tough, basically. Oh yeah, all right, okay, I'm on it. Two for two. Let's do this. Come on, <laughs> Here we go. Come I'm on. getting. I can feel it. I'm getting excited. No, number th- quote three. <clears throat> hey, I've put up with some interesting Jedi in my time. I've put up with some interesting Jedi in my time. Uh, that could be from Rebels. Mm, Ahsoka. But where? I'm going to... Do you know what? I can't picture who should say that to. The only person I could see is maybe Kanan or Ezra. I'm going to say Anoka, Matt. You're right, it is Anoka. <laughs> oh my days. Oh my days, I'm near the million. Right, right. I'm near the million. Uh, I'm the near chain. the million. Now, everyone, it's that, Mike, it's that Michael Scott gif. It's happening, it's happening. Okay, quite right. four. Oh, here we go. Master okay. Skywalker and I hold what we call aggressive negotiations all the time. <laughs> Pressure's on. Master Skywalker and I hold what we call aggressive negotiations all the time. But that's what, that's what Padme, that's Padme and Anakin's thing. Why would Ahsoka say that? Aggressive negotiations, unless it's a throwback. I can't remember them saying that. So she's, so apparently, right, Ahsoka says, go on, say it again. Master Skywalker and I hold what we call aggressive negotiations all the time. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Anoka. You sure? I hope so. No, she did say it in the Clone Wars. they, They went back to the world with that line. She did say, which is what Dave Filoni does an awful lot. He, recycles quotes but yes they do hold negoti- aggressive negotiations oh, a lot. hang on this is in Geonosis where there's like the zombie Geonosians possibly I have no idea right. oh, I just, just googled it 
Oh my days. Oh no, it was I can't three believe that's a line. Three out of four. Okay, right. Oh man. The final one then to end for eighty percent. Here we go. It is <clears throat> his attachment to you makes him vulnerable to his fears. Yeah, Ahsoka, The Mandalorian, Chapter no, Thirteen. Let's not even beat around the bush. Yes, <laughs> drop that bomb last yeah. week. Yes. So Luke Bly ends the game with four out of five. He just didn't okay. realise that Ahsoka and Anakin hold aggressive negotiations quite a lot. That's a weird quote, man. Yeah, let, let's know how you did, guys. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so close to that 100%, maybe. I'll, I'll, I'll get there one day, man. I'll get there one day. If we can get there before the 100, then the scenes will be massive. And before we end, massive shout out to Ahsoka's theme. Kevin Kiner did a boss job. Ludwig Göransson's taken that. I can't believe I didn't mention it. I love that theme. Thank you, everyone who used it in their voice messages. But four out of five to Luke. But that does end off episode 92 of Star Wars Sessions, the road to 100 continues. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? They can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk. We're on Twitter, at Star Wars Session. We're on Instagram, at Star Wars Sessions. And drop us an email or a cheeky voice note to hello there at starwarsessions.co.uk. And if you want to support the show further, please consider checking out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. Yeah, we're on Anchor FM, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, everywhere in the galaxy you could find a podcast with there. And if you love our show, please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice and head on over to podchaser.com. It's the IMDB for podcasts. We're on there. And it's awesome. So do drop us a review over there if you do have a few minutes spare because it helps us grow. It helps us get more listeners in. And you know how much we love hearing from you guys each and every week. And please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum. Tell your dad. Tell your mates. Tell your cats. Tell your Ewok. Tell Rosario Dawson. Tell your cousin the more the merrier that castle spicier. So tell English Rose Ario Dawson that this is the podcast you're looking for. So until next time, from me, see ya, and from Luke, may the force be with you always. Luke, Luke, Rossage Souls. They are Essex based podcast heroes. Jedi. Tell that to Kanja Club. <laughs>